When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog I used to think that this was my town What a stupid thing to think I hear you biting off a brain down I myself am on the brain I used to want to be a real man I don't know what that even means I just want you in my arms again And we can search each other's dreams What's up, 3Bs? What's up, Diamond Dogs? What's up, Athletic Gerbils? It's Rhea Butcher, the host of this podcast, Three Swings, that you're listening to. It's a podcast about baseball, but also other stuff like life and feelings, stuff like that. Well, here it is. We've come to the end of men's baseball season. The World Series has been won, but... Because of my recording schedule, I haven't, we haven't talked about games three, four, or five. So I'm going to freestyle it on those three games, none of which I was able to watch in full because of life happening. I watched game three and it was a game. Uh, watched some of game four and I missed all of game five. <laughs> um, it's been an interesting ride, this World Series. I think that by Game 5, I felt like I knew what was going to happen. Which is a weird feeling. Games 3, 4, and 5, the Astros limited the Nationals to one run each game, and I believe they're their first team in history to do that. Three in a row. And I feel like the Nationals really wanted some of those 12 runs from Game 2 back. Um... I think the biggest surprise for me in those three games was Jose Urquidy. Sorry, I don't know how to pronounce things. Um, His performance was pretty fantastic, I would say. kind of came out of nowhere. I'm sure if you're an Astros fan, you didn't think he came out of nowhere. But as a starter, kind of out of nowhere. But his ability to uh, switch up the tempo of his pitches was just really mowing down the Nationals. And they really just could not get anything going, and they could not get a single run across. And combine that with the fact that Alex Bregman got his swing back, and you've got the Nationals, or the Astros winning 4-1, to one, the Astros winning 8-1, to one, and then the Astros winning 7-1. to one. And it seems like the Astros winning those three in a row on the road was going to lead to the Astros getting their second title in three years at home. And that's kind of what everybody thought was going to happen. Um, I wasn't also, I also wasn't able to watch game six, but they, the nationals did have Steven Strasburg pitching again, and he pitched nearly a complete game pitching uh, 8.1 innings with seven strikeouts and limiting the Astros to uh, six hits and two runs and he only gave up five, he gave up five of those hits. Sean Doolittle came in for the save, and he gave up a single hit. 
Max Scherzer was supposed to start Game 5, but he essentially couldn't get out of bed, which was something I didn't even really realize until Game 7 when he did finally start. And now we'll just get into Game 7. I'm sorry that there's no detail on those three Astros wins. They seem to be back into, like, Astros dominance. It seemed like they were just going to do what they were intended to do. Many people, you know, I was talking to baseball people, just like friends who like baseball, and they were like, man, I really thought the Nationals were the team of destiny. And it it seemed like that. It seemed like they were the Cinderella story that was going to go the whole way, and then all of a sudden the Astros come out and turn back into the Astros again. And you're like, oh, okay, well, that's what's going to happen now. <laughs> and it felt like, I mean, there were so many calls. So the, the, the plate was sometimes 500 feet wide and sometimes five inches wide uh, for both teams. It did feel weighted more towards the Astros, but perhaps that's just me, like, looking for it. Um, but it did seem like just a strangely elastic zone. And I think everybody can agree on that without saying for one team or the other, it was an elastic zone. Um, and then you have the bonkers. This is the one thing that I do have to cover before we get to game seven, the bonkers call in game six, which I missed because I just couldn't, I just couldn't watch the game, but I was getting like updates about the, um, Trey Turner's swinging bunt. So in game six, Jan Gomes, the catcher for the Nationals, was on first base. Trey Turner hits a swinging bunt. Um, and the pitcher comes off the mound. Who was it? It was Justin Verlander comes off the mound and throws to first. And Yuli Gurriel's glove gets knocked off um, as like Trey Turner's like just inside the line. But as he gets to the bag, runs over the bag. Um, and then the home plate umpire calls him out for runner interference and sends Jan, Jan Gomes all the way back to first, which is one of the craziest calls I think has maybe ever happened in the World Series. And one of the wildest things I think that happened is not just that it happened, but Trey Turner goes back into the dugout and is like pointing at Joe Torre. And he's like, he's got his head down. He doesn't even want to. He's right there. Because Joe Torre is like basically the head of all the umpires, but he didn't want to get involved probably because it seemed like the umpire realized he made a huge mistake. But once an umpire makes a mistake, they can't back down because then you never trust them for the rest of the game. So it seemed like, oh, well, this, I mean, it was, even Joe Buck was like, this is a series-changing call. Um, But then, and they sent Jan Gomes back to first. Like, I can see sending him to second because if you're out at first, that still sends the runner to second, not third which is where Jan Gomes had ended up on that play. But they sent him all the way back to first, so the double play is still in play. But then Anthony Rendon had a two-run home run and made it irrelevant anyway. Um, and then they ended up winning that game 7-2. to two. So let's get into the World Series as a whole as a Game 7. Um, the Nationals win 4-3, four, four games to three, earning their fr- first franchise World Series as Nationals. Um, cementing their place as one of the great un- underdog stories in baseball history. Um, and I read somewhere that this was the least watched World Series, but I have to say, uh, in t- like, I guess the Dodger-Astros World Series was pretty exciting because it went to seven games and that game five was pretty wild. And then, you know, the, the Cubs-Cleveland was pretty exciting, although I would say, like, game seven was probably the only exciting game in that series, really. Um, <clears throat> but this was, like just a wild series in general. And this is the only 
team, this is the only time that a seven game series has only consisted of road wins. And I believe that that applies to all men's professional sports. <laughs> um, the Nationals win game seven, six to two. The win goes to Patrick Corbin and the loss goes to Will Harris and the World Series MVP is Steven Strasburg, who also won a Corvette, which is always the most awkward part of it is winning the MVP and then getting a car on field because like he can buy a car if he wants to. Um, and it seems like a weird thing to give to somebody who is making a lot of money. Um, after barely being able to turn his head or lift his arm three days earlier due to a neck injury, Max Scherzer got the start in game seven. And although he didn't have his best stuff of the season, uh, he managed to gut it out through five innings, giving up seven hits but only two runs. And meanwhile, Astros pitcher Zach Greinke was throwing a gem through six innings, giving up only one hit and no runs. And in fact, after Adam Eaton grounded out at the beginning of the seventh inning, the Astros had an 87.7 chance to win, according to ESPN data. Now, I mean, I, I don't know if you remember all the information about how Cleveland was going to win the World Series in 2016, and they did not. Um, and the, the difference between those two pitchers to me is Max Scherzer was throwing and Zach Greinke was pitching. Um, and I think, you know, Max is that kind of pitcher to begin with, but also dealing with that kind of an injury. I mean, I just, I don't, I don't actually understand how he did it. I mean, he got a cortisol shot and he was talking about it a lot. So clearly cortisol does a lot for bodies, but, um, but then the game turned in an instant. Anthony Rendon had a solo shot off Granke to pull within one. And Howie Kendrick hit a two-run shot off reliever Will Harris to take the lead. After the home run by Rendon, then Soto drew a walk, and then they pulled Zach Granke, and then Howie Ken Kendrick hit a two-run home run off Will Harris. And the big story was that Garrett Cole was going to be available out of the bullpen. He was up. I think he got up three times in the bullpen, and A.J. Hinch never brought him in, and it was a weird choice. Um, he later in his post-game interview asked if he could pretty much didn't want to do it. He said, I'm pretty much unemployed, and he was wearing a hat from the agency that he's re represented by, and a lot of people think he was being shitty, but I think he was probably feeling some feelings about not getting to come in, and uh, A.J. Hinch, I read like a piece in the athletic about how he wanted him to have a clean inning and he was only going to come in to close and like that just seems like you know one of the things about AJ Hinch was that people liked so much and saw him as such a great manager is that he had a playbook and he would deviate from that based on what the game was doing and it seemed like this game was one of those games that he didn't do that even though every decision he made kind of looked like the right one except it just didn't work out um and also, like, brought in Osuna. And Osuna sucks. It's pretty wild, too. And this is the moment that I will bring this up. Um, that the entire broadcast of this series did not mention one time the incident with uh, Tobman, who was then later fired, or any of the issues with Osuna, like, at all. Not even at all. So if you were a person who was watching the World Series and you don't use Twitter, um, you wouldn't even know that something like that had happened in the clubhouse. Um, and people have, I, I really felt as though, like, not all those players 
did that. And not all those players are agree with it, but none of them spoke about it at all. And it was like, it was brushed aside. And yes, they eventually apologized, but they didn't really apologize for what they did, which is tried to get Stephanie Epstein, like, um, not just fired, but like ousted and, and like questioned her credibility. And to me, that was just like a pretty villainous thing to do. And it didn't, it was completely hidden from everybody unless you were participating on the internet and knowing about it. And I just think that is, and this is kind of bigger than the Astros organization, but also part of it, like the amount of things we don't see and it keeps hidden, like they choose what's part of the story. I mean, it was the same with Aroldis Chapman and it was the same with Stephen Wright with the Red Sox. Like it just wasn't, you just don't talk about it. And that to me is the problem is that we don't talk about these things or at least not in like I'm talking about it. I know many journalists that talk about it. I know many people on Twitter that talk about it, but like they don't talk about it on broadcasts and these things don't follow anybody around and nobody has to take any responsibility for it. So like, it just felt like this team was going to like fire this one guy and then just like hide their other behavior. And the organization was just going to get away with it. And it felt really bad. And I just felt like, Oh, Okay, that same thing is going to win again. It's going to get rewarded by, like, silence. And it turned out that it wasn't. But uh I just, I think Osuna's performance in the postseason was proof that Taubman was really just accosting people and really just, like, trying to make himself feel better about something in the presence of people who made him question what he had done or what the Astros had done. Uh, made him really uncomfortable and he had to make them feel really uncomfortable and unsafe so that he could feel better. Um, because that guy is not that good of a pitcher. Um, and they, it's evident. I mean, is he better than Ken Giles? I guess so. Um, so that makes sense that they needed to get a different closer, but like there were, there are other people on the market and they really went after that guy because he was a deal because he had, uh, pushed his girlfriend down the stairs. So like that's just, incredibly hard for me to like respect and people get upset with me on the internet that I um, don't like the Astros organization for doing that. And like, yeah, I'm sure there's like, it seems Alex Bregman seems like a good dude. I feel very, I feel sad for him that his grandfather died the same day as game seven. You know, I do. He's a human being. All these people are human beings, but they're also paid a lot of money to like show up and be performers and like, the whole Osuna thing has just been really icky and gross and dark. And um, when I felt like that was going to win, it was really, I really, I really couldn't watch. It was really hard to watch feeling like that was going to win again. That like domestic violence being not a big deal was going to win again. And people making other people feel like shit was going to win again. Um, it was really hard to watch. And so that's why I am really excited that that didn't win. Because as far as I know, there's nobody on the Nationals that's done that. Um, and of course, I could might maybe not know. But I think if that was the case, we would know. Because there are people like Sean Doolittle on that team. Um, and we'll maybe get into Sean Doolittle a little bit later. But um, Howie Kendrick hit that two-run home run off the foul pole. And that was a crazy pitch to hit. Um, it was, it was a good pitch and he just got it. 
Uh, the Nationals proceeded to pour on three more runs across the final two innings to put the punctuation mark on a legendary postseason run. In a season of bizarre stats and records, it's fitting that this season ended with perhaps the most bizarre stat of all. For the first time in MLB history, the World Series champion did not win a single home game in the World Series, with the Nationals earning all four of their wins on the road in Houston. Which is just bonkers. It's just bonkers. And then for the Astros to go to Washington and take all of those and limit them to one run each is just absolutely bonkers. And for one of those super dominant outings to be Jose Urquidity is crazy. It's just crazy. Uh, a couple more stats to fully appreciate the Nationals' run. The Nationals are the first team ever to knock off two postseason opponents who each won at least 105 games. They beat 106-win Dodgers club that, by baseball prospectus's third-order records, was the third most talented in at least 70 years. They beat the 107-win Astros, who, according to baseball perspective, were the very best. <laughs> they beat the third-best and the very best team. And Max Scherzer was asked in his exit interview, like, how did you guys do it? And he said, 1 through 25. And that's how they did it. They played team, they played a team sport as a team. And it was really wonderful as a baseball fan. And I mean, I would say that the 2017 Astros did the same thing, but they also used a lot of data and they used a lot of video and they used a lot of that. It doesn't feel like that's what the Nationals rested on. Like it looked like Dave Martinez was watching what was going on and trusting his team. And, um, I don't know. I mean, just watching a team of like 35 year olds win a world series against the best team that's ever existed so far is pretty inspiring. Even maybe if you're an Astros fan, cause you guys already got one, but I don't want to tell you how to feel. Uh, they become only the fifth team in world series history to erase a multi-run deficit in the seventh inning or later of game seven. And in total, they won three elimination games in which they had a multi-run deficit in the seventh inning or later. The wild card game against the Brewers, NLDS game five against the Dodgers, and World Series game seven. I'm still surprised when I read the stats from the Division Series game, because I was there and not watching it and not hearing these things, it still amazes and surprises me when I see when the scoring actually occurred, because... It was so shocking when it happened. Um, it's still shocking to read it. And like, that is just, there are so many games I've watched where the teams have just given up. And like, the Dodgers look like they gave up in that game. And that is the thing about the Nationals is even when they were losing and not able to put any runs on the board, and Ryan Zimmerman was also almost getting hit in the head, and Zimmerman didn't even really get to produce that much, but he still showed up. They kept playing. Trey Turner wasn't hitting well. He was still trying to get on base. Having like that crazy call in the six, in, in game six and not letting it get to them. Like that is some baseball. And people maybe didn't think this was exciting, but to a baseball fan, like this is what the World Series is supposed to be. A bunch of people who aren't supposed to be there making a run off the wild card. Pretty amazing. And the Nats' 19-31 and 31 start is the worst of any team to win a World Series. And only one other team that was 12 games under 500 at some point in the regular season has gone on to win the World Series, and that was the 1914 Boston team. <laughs> the Nats went 8-1 and one on the road in the postseason. The 1996 Yankees are the only World Series winning team to match those numbers. 
And Steven Strasburg is the third pitcher in history to win five games in a single postseason. And he's the only one to do it without a loss. Anthony Rendon is the first player to hit a home run in three straight elimination games in the same postseason. And Howie Kendrick is the first player with more than one go-ahead home run in the seventh inning or later of elimination games in the same postseason. And with five home runs, Juan Soto set the record for most home runs in a postseason by a player age 21 or younger. The Nationals won 12 games this postseason. Steven Strasburg and Max Scherzer started 10 of them. With five each, that puts them both tied for the most of all time. So it might not have been the most like uh, TV-friendly World Series, but in terms of baseball, it was a pretty baseball-friendly World Series. I think the last thing that I'll say to balance out the sort of Osuna mess and the like toxicity of the one of the clubhouses is to mention that yesterday uh, there was an interview posted on the Washington Post with Sean Doolittle and his decision not to go to the White House on Monday. The parade is happening in about three minutes from now. Um, he made the decision not to do so. And I recommend that you read it. I enjoyed reading it. I think, you know, there's many thoughts to be had about it. But I think that, um, I think he shows a lot of vulnerability and willingness to talk about the decision that he made and how he made it. And the fact that he is open about, you know, wanting to celebrate this with his teammates for as long as he can. Um, and that he respects his teammates' decisions to go and that they respect his decision to not go. Um, I think those things are kind of, are, are worth talking about instead of boiling these things down to like very basic yes and no. Um, and that it isn't just like one issue or one thing that he, uh, disagrees with or doesn't, you know, he's not doing it to make a show. He's doing it because it feels like the right thing to do. Um, and I think that's the case for a lot of people that are invited to the White House and don't go. I think a lot of them don't go because it feels like the right thing to do. Um, and ultimately in the article, his reason is, he doesn't want to hang out with somebody that talks the way that that guy does. And I think that's a very respectable reason for not wanting to hang out with somebody. Cause ultimately that's what it is. You're going and visiting somebody. And if you don't want to associate with people who treat people a way you don't want to treat them, it makes a lot of sense that you wouldn't want to go hang out with them. So I recommend that you read that. I recommend that, uh, we all just enjoy things a little bit more. I have enjoyed watching this Nationals team win. I don't care if people think that I'm on a bandwagon for enjoying it and liking it. I think that uh, it was really cool to watch a team that played together and was like supportive of each other and having a good... I mean, their like, battle cry is a toddler's, like a children's song. Um, and a lot of them were crying with each other. I just think it was, uh, and to beat a team that is the best team that's so far ever existed, like numbers wise, is a pretty tremendous, because I, I just, I, I see this win and I'm like, oh, the Astros would have beat the Dodgers in four games for sure. <laughs> and not that I'm like, it's just, it just is what it is. And like, they did something that nobody thought anybody could do. And I think that's something that we don't really get to see that much anymore. Everything is about like what things mean and the data. And I don't just mean like baseball. I just mean like everybody's got their predictions and this is what's going to happen. And then we watch it happen and we go, see, that was what was going to happen. And this was a complete surprise every single game and every single series. And 
how often do we get to experience things like that by just watching people try, watching people show up and not get defeated and keep showing up for each other and basically be written off in May? And I think I probably did too, somewhere along the lines on this podcast. I do remember being like, I wouldn't count out the Nationals. They've been in that wildcard spot the whole time, you know? Um, but I didn't think that they could do this. And so it's been pretty amazing to feel like the wall streeting of baseball and the like sabermetrics of baseball isn't always right because that's what keeps baseball interesting. And that's why baseball is fun because you can predict these things, but you're not always right. A ball can take a weird hop and somebody can wake up with back spasms and they can get a cortisol shot and show up for the last game. And there's just so many different things going on all the time. And I just, I was reminded watching this team of what about baseball, men's baseball, when I was growing up watching it, what I liked about it, which is they just seemed like they were trying. And whether that's what I, what was really happening when I was watching baseball as a four-year-old, five, six-year-old, if that's what was really happening, I don't know. But what I mean is watching them play was like being a kid again and watching people do something even they didn't know they would be able to do, but they just gave it a shot. And it's been very inspiring to see that and to, to have Juan Soto hit five home runs, but also like draw a walk after Anthony Rendon's uh, solo homer that got them within one. Like he's 21 and he drew a walk. He didn't try to hit another home run. He just got on base and then they got a two run home run. And if he would have struck out trying to get a home run, they maybe wouldn't have won that game. So even like the young guys, were playing like older guys and the older guys were playing like younger guys. And I'm just inspired by the whole thing. And if people are upset by that because they think I'm a Fairweather fan, I really don't care. I'm a Fairweather fan of being inspired by things. And to be totally honest, watching this team win the World Series has felt the best out of any of this that I've watched. And I don't even know that I would have felt this good if Cleveland would have won in 2016 because they would have been wearing that logo and they would have that word across their chest. And there would always be that feeling of like, ugh, I wish it was just a little bit different. And there's like nothing different to make about this. It's like a Cinderella story from start to finish. And they did what they set out to do and nobody believed them. And they were the best team in baseball after they were 19 and 31. But nobody was paying attention. So I think just pay attention to what you like. Love what you love. Enjoy the things that you enjoy. And uh, yeah, let's have a fun off season. And as usual, if you liked it, you liked it. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, 
please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.